It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. So Jim, this is astonishing. We've picked a topic I know nothing about. You just left that wide open. I'm not going to make the obvious joke. I'm such an open target. Uh, Beyond knowing that blockchain could revolutionize the internet, I have been kind of clueless about this whole thing. Blockchain might be the next big thing. If the visionaries are right, it could give us platforms online that are resistant to hacking, that improve our privacy, and then help fight back against some of these growing online quasi-monopolies. How blockchain could save the internet. Dan Patterson. This code is truly novel. It is something the world had never seen before because it strengthens itself over time and because it is, I don't want to say unhackable because everything is hackable, but it is something that we trust or that engineers trust. There are so many flaws in my healthcare provider's method of storing data. If you trust that your data is being safely stored by a massive enterprise data broker, you are crazy. Our show is about fixes. Yeah, how to make the world a better place. How How do do we we fix it? it? How do we fix it? Right in the middle of the 2008 financial crisis 10 years ago, Bitcoin was born, described by its mysterious inventor as a new electronic cash system that's fully peer-to-peer with no trusted third party. But we're not going to talk all about Bitcoin today. So uh, put away your checkbooks. We're going to talk about blockchain the operating system, the underlying technology on which Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies are based. Blockchain, it said, decentralizes trust. We'll explain all that in a minute. Could change many industries from healthcare, retailing, energy, and banking to diamonds. Anything that has a complicated system of distribution. Joining us at our table is Dan Patterson, a senior reporter for Tech Republic and CBS News. He covers cybersecurity and the meeting place of technology, politics, and government. Welcome to How Do We Fix It? Great to be uh, attempting to fix things with you, gentlemen. (laughs) So, Dan, the first question may be the hardest. What is blockchain? Ah, Richard, (laughs) the hardest question of all. Uh, So, Jim actually said the magic word uh, a few moments ago, and that was checkbook. So the blockchain is a complex series of encryption algorithms 
that's really hard to understand. So the way we explain blockchain technology is with metaphors. And the checkbook is a metaphor that is uh, almost become a cliche at this point. But it's a great metaphor because it helps us visualize what this chain is. And just think about your bank account when you log in, or if you're old enough to remember writing checks, taking out the checkbook and all of your debits. Clearly Jim is, because he said, put away your checkbook. (laughs) (laughs) So if you think about all those, those records of, of uh, transactions, right? A, a debit here and a, a deposit there. So after a while, you have a ledger like that, right? It, and when we say open ledger, we mean something that is available to the public at large. You can download the blockchain, this chunk of code that keeps growing from blockchain.info. Everyone has access to this code. What makes this code very interesting is that encryption, and when we say encryption, let's so just it's, think so about... So it's available to everyone, to everyone, and yet it's encrypted yes. in a very secure way. That's exactly. A, that's a paradox I think that a lot of people get hung up on. The chain is strengthened by multiple computers, by tens of thousands or millions of computers pointing their processing power back at the chain. The point is that this is... Uh, uh, all of the people who have engaged in the Bitcoin ecosystem add up to what we call the blockchain. The reason the blockchain exists is because of an incentive system that we happen to call Bitcoin. By incentive system, I mean nobody is going to point their processing power at some weird code for no reason. It costs money. It costs time. It overheats your computer. It, for, for massive networks, it, there's no reason to point that processing power, which takes energy, at a weird network. So there's no one centralized computer that keeps hold of Correct. everybody else's information. It's a shared network? It's a shared network. And that's why it's important to businesses and to other people because you can see all of these records and transactions. You can have a private blockchain where it's only interactions, only transactions on your network or on a consortium's network. So for example, large banks like Bank of America and Chase are working with blockchain technology. And I always qualify it by saying blockchain technology, not just blockchain, but blockchain tech. And many banks are working on this to have their own chain, their own private chain so that maybe Chase and City and Bank of America can interoperate and experience the benefits of blockchain without the the downsides of being a part of a public network. So we talk about the ability of anybody to do a transaction on blockchain, but when you talk about a bank, they just want to make sure that it's their customers. How do they control that? So we know that banks aren't just one entity that is like a silo. Banks interoperate with other banks billions of times per day. So... If you think about an application like Venmo, where I can send cash to you, it's instant, it's fast, but you're using an application to send money from one entity to another entity. Yeah, yeah. If you haven't used Venmo, it's just, it's so much quicker than getting your bank to transfer cash into somebody else's account. And, And that's because banks interoperate with other banks, right? So if we take a consortium of banks, I will use just City, Bank of America, and Chase as an example, but you see all these advertisements on television right now, right? Send money instantly to a friend in another bank. That's using blockchain tech. Because of the speed of previous technologies uh, meant that we had to verify a transaction happened here and then Chase has to send the money there and we have to verify that and then we have to send the money someplace else and verify it and geez, it takes forever. 
With blockchain, we can verify many of those things in a fraction of the time. So give us another example of where this technology might be applied in some, uh, some business that, that regular people could be involved exactly. with. I ask this of people that I interact with, and I usually talk to business technology decision makers or workers or people who are not just consumers, but they have some sort of intellectual interest in the blockchain or in other technologies. And for many years, the answer was, well, it could be used for this or that. All right, how is it being used? Richard, you said a moment ago diamonds. Diamonds are a great example, or housing, real estate are a great example, because they're easy to see, easy to understand. This is sourced in one particular way. It's distributed in another way, and it's consumed in a third way. So, so you have a complicated distribution. So you could imprint a diamond, or at least the, the case that a diamond is supplied in, and say this is 839742, or whatever sequence you have, and it's imprinted on the blockchain immediately after being refined and you could follow it from from its trail you could see where it was sourced where it traveled to you know the jeweler that bought it and then resold it to you as a consumer so for instance you'd know that this diamond on my finger is right. not uh, a, a blood counterfeit diamond, diamond or, a, or a blood diamond. Yes, correct. Uh, the same with housing. And in both those examples, you have complicated industries that involve a lot of intermediaries correct. that you need to be able to trust. You yeah. need a real estate lawyer. You need a... You might need a broker. You need to make sure that all the records on the house are accurate. So basically, when you go to that closing, you know you're not getting ripped off. Correct. If there was a way to buy a house using the blockchain, theoretically, if it worked, it could be a more transparent, smoother, less expensive transaction. In theory, yeah. It, in it, The blockchain works really well in these industries because it is, again, this is jargon soup here, but it's called a trustless system. That's really a great description because in, in uh, chains that are complex, there could be shady characters, especially when it comes to diamonds or real estate. There could be shady characters in any component of that chain. If I presume zero trust with any of those actors and I take human emotion out of that, then I just know and I look and I can see, well, here is the code that verifies how this diamond or how this house may have, may have traveled. With, with the house, for instance, anyone who's bought a house or an apartment knows you have this whole deed searching process. Yeah. And it's often very expensive. You spend two or $3,000 to make sure that somebody researches all the papers to find out that the property really is what it says it is and that you have a right to buy that property. Correct. And, and blockchain could, at least in theory, really reduce uh, the amount of time and money it takes to conduct that search. Correct. Now, blockchain has been hyped. Bitcoin has been hyped. And yet I notice you're cautious. Why? Well, I'm skeptical because all of this is, we could do this, we might do this, here's a potential use. But every time I talk to thought leaders or I talk to business decision makers, people who you would think are engaged in this right now, I hear the same thing. I hear, well, we could do this, this might happen. And yet billions of dollars are being spent on this. One, one thing that I am skeptical about, or one reason, one cause to be skeptical is that the, the community around cryptocurrency and, and the blockchain is very enthusiastic, right? But what we don't see or get enthusiastic about 
is all the other stuff City might be investing in, right? City or any other big bank has R&D units. So does almost every big enterprise. They are constantly testing new technologies. There's one that we like to get really hyped about right now, and that's blockchain. There are others, though. Artificial intelligence, machine learning is certainly something that is already paying dividends. And it's, it's certainly very hyped, but there's R&D happening by every enterprise company into every emerging technology because the opportunity cost of being left behind is significant. <laughs> so... I want to get. A, I do want to get a little theoretical. Sorry, Richard, uh, because I'm really interested in the history of the internet, and I was one of those digital utopians, you know, Me too. <laughs> back in the in the early days. So the original uh, internet was based on a open platforms, HTTP. Everybody could anybody could build a web page. Anybody could communicate, and we all thought this was going to lead to a very decentralized, very democratic, open system. Anybody could write articles. Anybody could be a journalist. That's still true to a way today, but then something happened. Partly for our own convenience as users, we started to gravitate around a small number of intermediaries: Google, Facebook. So explain how that how that happened, how this monopolization changed what we thought we would do and how we would do it on the Internet, and then how blockchain might create some alternative platforms. So, Jim, that's an, an incredibly important point. Uh, I was in the same boat, uh, especially after the first bubble burst in the early 2000s. I was an open source advocate. Open source had pushed my career forward in ways that closed source things did not. And, and I remember the early days of RSS and XML and being able yes. to distribute almost anything you wanted. And that was incredibly exciting. Uh, then came... Google, Facebook, Twitter, these hegemonic powers that centralized uh, our activity. And the compromise we made was uh, convenience over, in, in that case, uh, open. And we see over and over, especially with Facebook, uh, convenience over security. So uh, the Bitcoin blockchain is the most famous blockchain, but there are hundreds, thousands of different blockchains. You can make your own block. I'm sure there are websites that let you go and create your own blockchain with the, the punch of a button. There are companies that have private blockchains. These private blockchains do a lot of things that are really useful for particular industries. Uh, there are, are blockchains that are used by financial services that it's very hard to buy into and obtain the currency. There are other blockchains that are used by, by different industries. I want to pick up on private blockchain use in just a moment. It's How Do We Fix It? I'm Richard Davies. And I'm Jim Meggs. And our guest is Dan Patterson. Let's look at some private uses of blockchain because I think that may be the most exciting thing that will happen more quickly yeah. is, that, is that individual industries or even groups of companies will agree on a particular blockchain platform for their own businesses. Yeah. And, and Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. 
burrow.com slash ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Use it to communicate with each other. Yeah. Um, I, I think you could be correct. So let's bring this to private blockchains. One of the, the most exciting blockchains is the Ethereum chain. Ethereum is a chain for uh, applications, for software. So there's a clear use, right? If you look at Bitcoin, you may say, well, I don't know what the clear use is other than to spit out currency. All right, that is a nice use, but applications are things that we can understand. We download these onto our phone or onto our, our computers and we run software, right? So Ethereum applications can do the same verification process, not just verifying that the software is legitimate, but that the, the uh, assets created within the software are authentic, right? So Ethereum is created by a company, and it spits out this currency called Ether, which has been very hot, but also cooled off recently. It's theoretical, and it could be fascinating, especially when we think about enterprise applications and things that businesses interact with other businesses and really need a trustless system more than simply a consumer business interaction. And nevertheless, the need for something like blockchain is clearly there. Let's look at, at health records. I mean, I mean, I find this infuriating. Every time I go to a different doctor or a different specialist, and as I'm getting older, that's more, um, I have to fill out new forms. And they doesn't necessarily communicate with another. The potential for something like blockchain is that our medical records can be personally kept private, but that data, with our permission, can be shared among a large number of healthcare providers. Yeah, Richard, this is uh, perhaps blockchain's killer app, is the data interaction and data sharing. So right now, what you described is a process that is really slow, really inefficient, prone to errors, which could really hurt your health. Right, and and then there's also the privacy thing, where yeah, you, and, yeah. pro, and prone you, to exactly. you give all of your records to one central big provider, and and easily hacked, hacked provider, yeah. By the way, yeah. and then all of your stuff ends up on the dark web. So this is the killer app for this reason. You have all of this information. There's no reason that information shouldn't travel with you and be an inherent component of that which makes up Richard Davies. So when you walk into a doctor's office, what you really should do, at least according to blockchain evangelists, is just give them an ID or something that uniquely identifies you as you. We'll probably use biometrics sooner than later. But you'll do something that identifies you. And what the chain will allow to happen is one entity being your healthcare provider or the doctor's office you're in to access that particular type of information about you and to see your health records and to add to your health records without accessing everyone on the chain and to make sure that it is encrypted in transit and in the process of you interacting with that, that data. Encrypted, kept private. Yes, kept private. 
And you will always know, you'll have this record, you will always know exactly who saw your data and exactly. when, and they're only the people you gave permission to. Yes. And you can verify that these are the people who access this and that I gave permission to these people, this entity. I, I keep saying people because we yeah. think of ourselves as people, <laughs> but entities to access this <laughs> information. So. Right now, I have no idea who's looked at my healthcare records. I don't know what mistakes are in those records. They're really incomplete. These are all problems that are solved by the blockchain. We, we hit it briefly at the beginning, but let's circle back and explain why this encryption process in blockchain is theoretically so reliable compared to trusting big companies, a lot of databases who say they have a lot of people fending off hackers and stuff. What makes the blockchain system different? Uh, one, the chain is strengthened through more processing power being pointed at the chain. This code is truly novel. It is something the world had never seen before because it strengthens itself over time and because it is, I don't want to say unhackable because everything is hackable, but it is something that we trust or that engineers trust. Does it engineer trust or does it create trust because it's decentralized? It generates trust for many reasons, that is one reason. The other reason is that the more processing power you point at it, the more you are incentivized through coins and the stronger the chain gets. Uh, there are so many flaws in my healthcare provider's method of storing data or my bank's method of storing data. Do you really trust that Microsoft Excel is not going to get hacked or that some CRM somewhere isn't going to get hacked? I mean, we've seen this in the last year, starting with Equifax last summer, but there, I mean, there are countless hacks. No, I don't. If you trust that you're nuts. If you trust that your data is being safely stored by a massive enterprise data broker, you are crazy. So data stored in and through the blockchain and encryption, maybe not unhackable, but man, do I trust that a lot more than I trust the ability of a massive enterprise company to keep my data safe. Because it doesn't exist in one single form at one place? And because it uses encryption. We know encryption. In fact, the best encryption in the world is called PGP. It's humbly pretty good privacy. The, look, encryption is just math. But if you trust one plus one is two, then you trust encryption. That's why, it, that's why the blockchain is something that people trust. The more processing power you apply, the longer those equations get yes. in effect, right? Yes. That's right. why it gets stronger. Yes. Because it'd be that much harder to crack something that has a thousand digits compared to four digits. Exactly. Perfect. Great answer. Thank you. Yes. Thank you, guys. It was fantastic. It's easy to find the description of blockchain and the lack of examples as frustrating. But this is very new technology, Jim, and it will almost certainly change the internet and change many businesses. But exactly how it will do that is, is yet to be determined. If we're expecting the changes to all be visible right. and obvious, maybe they won't be. This Blockchain might be one of those things that is considered hyped and overrated and not going to happen until all of a sudden you wake up and realize it's a little bit of many things that you do. For example, 
Uh, right now, the process of shipping products globally is insanely complicated. Somebody loads up a container on a ship in China somewhere. There's a tons of literally paperwork, keeping track of the ship, keeping track of the container, unpacking it, distributing it. There's people walking around with clip, literally with clipboards, you know, at every step of the process. A, a blockchain system that identifies a unique identifier for every every product could make that much simpler, but we'll never notice it. But, it but just that means, efficiency yeah. will lead to a lot of savings. Right, right. It will just know that that we well, we won't even know that that um, that tricycle we got for our kid was a dollar cheaper than it might have been. But those efficiencies will add up in making the world economy smoother, more efficient. And and you brought up the example of healthcare. In some areas, it could be really transformative in solving some very severe bottlenecks and problems. How about privacy? Well, it's clearly the we have built the internet with way too little encryption, uh, you know, at all levels. And even the biggest corporations are doing a terrible job. The government's doing a terrible job. So something that is encrypted from the get-go uh, as a way to move around uh, blocks of information is, is, is an improvement. And that leads to the third thing about blockchain, which is fascinating, is, is it's decentralized. I think that's the most important. Um, and I was kind of started off on this point. We all thought the web would be so decentralized and that would be an opportunity for more diverse culture and information and learning and everything else. And in some areas, that's really worked, like Wikipedia. That's the old utopian distributed model. We may see the, the positions of the big broker, the big intermediaries, the Facebooks and the Googles, who want to control our experience and make money on it. You know, I'm with Dan. I don't think this is going to happen overnight. I don't think it's going to go away. But we might see some other more distributed alternatives to that. And I think in, in media in particular, it could be – it could might not, might not amount to anything or it could be exciting. We could wind up with sort of a hybrid system where some things go through the really established channels uh, and other things are um, – other types of, of media are, are created more independently and consumed independently, but with ways to get people paid and ways to check the validity of the information. It's How Do We Fix It? I'm Richard Davies. And I'm Jim Meggs. Our producer is Miranda Schaefer. We are a production of Davies Content. Check out more of our podcasts at DaviesContent.com. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great, too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.